welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Cool. <laughs> we have a soundboard. Now we have a soundboard. Now we have, guys, thank you for all of your donations. <laughs> now we have a soundboard. Uh, a soundboard, <laughs> a soundboard uh, of just our mouth noises making <laughs> making sounds. So you're welcome, I guess. Toronto! <laughs> Toronto! I think every time Steve and I talk about Toronto, one of us has to scream Toronto. Like, it's like, the law. Yeah, like Ace Foley. So, you know. Uh, Lauren and I are back together in the same room recording I'm for the first time in quite some time i feel the energy you know it's good and josh is uncomfortably close to me and it's just it feels right you know it feels right and it feels like we're home again <laughs> you know we have our bottles of wine yep we checked our levels yeah we have the special um we got this, what's this called again? I don't know, a little twisty board. I yeah, like the call twisty. It. We got the twisty board out uh, because we bring this out every now and then when we have a a very special type of episode, a very special a very episode. Special episode. Um, this has been a while in the making. Yes. So um, Lauren got to geek out. I don't know a couple couple dozen episodes ago about <laughs> Peter Gabriel, yes. who's her favorite. Like, I don't want to say classic. I mean, I would call classic, classic rock. Yeah, classic type. rock, prog rock. Prog rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's my turn. Oh, I'm excited about this. Okay. As to preface it, I haven't been this excited for an episode since Alma Mahler. Oh, so, good. I'm so glad. So I hope you have as much fun on this ride as I do. I'm ready. Uh, because this episode has everything. It has sex, mm. drugs, mm. rock and roll, oh. infidelity, oh. identity theft, cults, what? bankruptcy, the USC marching band. TikTok and Harry Styles. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm so ready. I'm buckled in and I can't wait to scream. In this episode, we are breaking the chain because this is the story of Fleetwood Mac. I should preface this with, I used to bond with um, one of my uh, fellow interns at the Buffalo News when I was, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then the pay drove you to working <laughs> at museums. I was like, I want to make money, so I'm going to work at a museum. Anyway, um, we used to bond over the fact that there were never any good Fleetwood Mac songs. <gasps> no, here, listen. So this was 2006. I was young and I was stupid. And the only ones I had ever heard were like Landslide and uh, like, you know, the the classic rock radio okay. ones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, meh, no good Fleetwood Mac. And then I saw the light and I, I was like, man, Rumors is an incredible album. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I will say, you know. I was wrong in that moment. Okay. So that's my mea culpa to you, Wow, Julia. right off the bat. Right we didn't even bat. talk about anything yet. No, not and yet. she's already issued a mea culpa. I did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of mea culpas, right before we get into this, um, if you're still catching up on our um, catalog and you just listened to the Peter Gabriel episode and you were confused as to why we mentioned <laughs> that Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins are cousins and just kept talking, um, they're not actually related. No. We we did issue a mea culpa when we announced the episode. We were like, FYI, sorry. Yeah. Here's the episode, but we just found out that this fact was not accurate. 
Um, so yes, if you're, <laughs> yeah. and if that's you're thinking of, if you're thinking of tweeting at us about it, we, we know, we know, and we're sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me take this completely. I know. And I'm sorry because I said it and I said it to you and you believed me because we are misinformation and why would I lie to you? So I apologize to all of my fellow Gabe, Gabriel, Gabriel's angels. Um, <laughs> and no, not, uh, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins are in fact not cousins. They're just good friends. They're just good friends. So sorry about that. But anyway, please well, continue. Well, speaking of some people that were once good friends. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac are a British American rock band formed in London in 1967. The band's original members were guitarist Peter Green, drummer Mick Fleetwood, guitarist Jeremy Spencer, and bassist John McVie. Mm. Uh, Mick Fleetwood's surname was merged with the nickname of John Mac McVie to form the name of the band, oh. who were initially a blues band managed by Clifford Davis. Okay. So Danny Kerwin joined as a third guitarist in 1968 and keyboardist Christine Perfect, who contributed as a session musician from the second album, married John McVie and joined the band in 1970. And then from there on out, she was Christine McVie. Mm -hmm. All three guitarists of the band left in succession during the early 1970s to be replaced by guitarists Bob Welch and Bob Weston, along with vocalist Dave Walker. So the three guys that left, Peter Green had a pretty massive addiction to LSD and oh, he was no. later diagnosed as schizophrenic and oh, yeah, a, a little bit of a spiral after that. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Spencer abruptly quit to join the religious cult called the children of God. <gasps> I know about the children of God. Yes. That's really messed up. Yes. Yes. Like they had traveled to America. They were on tour and then oh, he was no. like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to join this cult. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. And let's see. And then Danny Kerwin actually got fired in what we would now consider to be a minor incident. Um, he trashed his dressing room and refused to go on stage for a show. And oh. They fired him. Man. Um, so the band, you know, the, the lineup has been a little bit in, in turmoil. Mm -hmm. In 1973, the remaining members of Fleetwood Mac told their manager, Cliff Davis, that they needed a break from touring. And instead of making that happen, Davis decided to hire a fake version of the band what? under the same name to play the tour dates that the real band couldn't make <laughs> what? and the whole incident resulted in a lawsuit over who owned the band's name so davis booked u.s dates for the all-new fleetwood mac from mid-january to late february 1974 oh but when the fake fleetwood mac walked into their first show venue um outside of pittsburgh actually in a place called the syria mosque the venue promoter refused to put them on stage because he was like oh, that's not fleetwood mac no um but they played anyway uh and only about a dozen people asked for refunds wow. and so they kept going and then apparently at like the <laughs> oh, next big venue they played in New York City people were like this is in Fleetwood Mac and they like they caught they kind of got they caught, caught there. on yeah so the real Fleetwood Mac had to get a restraining order to what? stop the fake Fleetwood Mac from touring so that they could continue recording music and touring yeah and being a, the real band what this like, is i can see i can see getting away from this in like pff, the 1890s yeah yeah the barbershop quartet, the famous <laughs> yeah. Coney Island barbershop quartet is yeah. touring. You don't know who these people are. I've You've never, never seen heard a recording of them. No. You've never seen a poster of them. No. But, you know, but, these, these guys show up and you're like, that's not Mick Fleetwood. That's, <laughs> what that guy doesn't look or sound or, or sound, sound anything, anything like him. They don't him. sound anything like them. So the, the fake Fleetwood Mac w happened in uh, early 1974, Jeez. by the way. They... Um, it's a, so they took care of that. It's but. a real, it's yeah, it's a funny little blip in the radar. Like, oh, by the way. That's so weird. So 
1974, the three newest band members who were Welch, Weston, and Walker, they had either departed or been dismissed, leaving the band without a male lead vocalist or a guitarist. Mm. And in late 1974, while Fleetwood was scouting studios in Los Angeles, he was introduced to Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, who were the American folk rock duo Buckingham Nicks. Fleetwood Mac asked Buckingham to be their new lead guitarist, and Buckingham agreed on the condition that Nicks could also join the band. Mm. And that is where our story begins. Ah, uh, yes. So I'm going to do a quick brief bio of each of the members of this key lineup here. Okay. So Mick Fleetwood was born Michael John Kells Fleetwood in 1947. He was born in Cornwall, but lived in Egypt and Norway for much of his childhood because oh, wow. his father was a fighter pilot in the Royal Air Force. Jeez. Young Mick was a dreamer who didn't necessarily excel academically, but he enjoyed acting and fencing. Um, one of the band's future sound engineers, um, Ken Calais, he said, Mick was very aristocratic. The way he formed sentences was impeccable. When he spoke, everyone stopped and listened. He was quiet and wise, and he had a great sense of humor. He loved to laugh but he was also a straight shooter mm. and a beard and the beard oh, yes you know i love a beard but <laughs> yes mm -hmm. so mick was playing in a band called shotgun express in the mid-1960s and their lead singer was rod stewart oh wow. um mick joined the initial incarnation of fleetwood mac on the drums in 1967 he got married in June 1970 to Jenny Boyd. Uh, Jenny was the sister of Patty Boyd Harrison, who was the wife of Beatles guitarist yes. George Harrison. Mm. And by the way, Patty Harrison later divorced George Harrison and married Eric Clapton. Yes. So it's like everybody just switching do, partners. Do, do, do. Um, another thing to note about Mick Fleetwood, he is six foot six. Oh wow! A very tall man. I knew he was tall, but a I very knew he was tall man. That tall. And yes, he is the, the he is he is most often on the drums and percussion mm. of their albums. John McVie, born in 1945 in Middlesex, England. He was very musically talented. He was mm. playing the trumpet at a very early age, and he learned the guitar and the bass as a teenager. After leaving school at 17, he trained for nine months to be a tax inspector, and he was a member of the rock band John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, and he replaced Eric Clapton in that band wow. from 1964 to 1967 before replacing temporary bass guitarist Bob Brunning in Peter Green's band in 1967. And in 1968, John McVie married blues pianist and singer Christine Perfect, who then became a member of Fleetwood Mac two years later. So John McVie is the bassist, mm. and it's like you never hear his voice on anything. No, of course not. Like, he doesn't do lead vocals. He doesn't really known for backup vocals. He is he, the bass player. That's it. That's all he does. And you know what? It's good to know your lane. That's fine. You have a niche. You stick with it. Yes. Great. You get paid just like everybody else. Amen. <laughs> All right. Christine McVie. Uh, she was born as Christine Ann Perfect in 1943 in Lancashire, England. Her mother was a medium and a faith healer, and her oh father was a concert violinist and music lecturer. Her grandfather was an organist at Westminster Abbey. She only began to study music seriously around age 11 and continued classical training until she was about 15, and then she shifted her musical focus to rock and roll. She studied sculpture at an art college in Birmingham for five years with the goal of becoming an art teacher, and she performed often with friends, including in the band Sounds of Blue and with Welsh singer or Spencer Davis. She joined the blues band Chicken Shack as a pianist and background vocalist. She married Fleetwood Mac bassist John McVie in 1968, joining the band in 1970. Mm -hmm. um, and since this is like right before the big lineup, it's 1973, um, she has an affair with their sound engineer, uh -oh. Martin Birch, by the way, at this point in time. Uh -oh. So um, Christine McVie is, uh, she plays the piano, the keyboard, all of the finger key instruments. Sure, I think boop, that's what they boop, call boop, them. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> um, and also is a vocalist in the band. Mm -hmm. 
Lindsay Buckingham, born in 1949 in Palo Alto, California. He was always interested in music, and he stopped playing sports to pursue music. His brother, Gregory, went on to win a silver medal in swimming at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. So Lindsay never took guitar lessons. He actually doesn't read music. He just like picks things up from listening to it or like makes up his own stuff, and you're expected to know what he... Oh, what okay. he wants you to play. Anyway, uh, from 1966 to 1971, he performed psychedelic and folk rock with a high school rock band called Fritz. Uh, Buckingham invited friend Stevie Nicks to join Fritz as a second vocalist, and their romantic relationship began about five years later. So Lindsay and Stevie recorded seven demos in 1972, and they drove to L.A. to pursue a record deal. They were signed by Polydor Records in 73 as Buckingham Nicks. And while looking at a recording studio in California in 1974... Mick Fleetwood heard a Buckingham Nicks song and by chance got to meet Lindsay there. And when Fleetwood Mac lost guitarist Bob Welch, Mick contacted Lindsay and offered him the vacant guitar slot. And Lindsay told Mick that he and Stevie were a team and he didn't want to work without her. Okay. So Lindsay is guitar and vocals. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Stevie Nicks <laughs> was born Stephanie Lynn Nicks in 1948 in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, apparently toddler Stephanie could only pronounce her name as TD, which led to her nickname of Stevie. Oh, that's cute. Um, her family moved around a lot since her father was the president of Greyhound. What? Yeah. And while attending Arcadia High School in California, she joined her first band called The Changing Times, which was a folk rock group focused on vocal harmonies. She met her future musical and romantic partner, Lindsey Buckingham, while he was playing California Dream at a club, and she went on stage and joined him in harmony. Wow. She joined Buckingham's band Fritz as a vocalist in mid-1967, and the band actually later opened for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin from 1968 to 1970. Nix attended San Jose State University, majoring in speech communication, and she planned to become an English teacher. She eventually dropped out to pursue music instead. Uh, Buckingham Nix duo released their self-titled album in 1973, but it was not necessarily a commercial success. Sure, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. And to make ends meet, she worked as a waitress and as a house cleaner. She started using cocaine recreationally around Mm -hmm. this time. And after Lindsay got the call from Mick and said they were a package deal, she joined Fleetwood Mac. Okay. She is a vocalist. Sometimes she will play like a tambourine. Yeah, she's got a tambourine. She's the lead vocalist, tambourinist, spinner, resident witch. Yeah, yes. all of those things. Yes, and yeah. and that's what she would call herself in the Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Also, she's only five foot one. Oh, she's tiny. She's that's as tall tiny. as my mother. She's tiny. Oh my god, she's so little. All right. So the bands this this group of five people, now they're together. Okay. They're a band. Magic. Magic a is band. happening. It's happening. It's re- Are you ready? I'm so ready. So Fleetwood Mac, the album titled Fleetwood Mac, okay. comes out in 1975. <laughs> and among Fleetwood Mac fans, this album is often referred to as the White Album. Mm. So this is actually the 10th studio album by the band Fleetwood Mac. Wow. But this is the first Fleetwood Mac album with Lindsey Buckingham as guitarist and Stevie Nicks as vocalist. Okay. This was recorded within three months of Stevie and Lindsey joining the band. And notably, these two were close to breaking up by this point. Mm. The album was released in July 1975, and it spawned three top 20 singles, peaking at number one on the Billboard 200 album chart. The album's front cover photo does not show the whole band, only drummer... Mick Fleetwood and bassist John McVie. Mm. This is also, again, the second album released by Fleetwood Mac that's called Fleetwood Mac. Um, okay. The original <laughs> band's 1968 debut also had the same name. So that's great. Yeah. So the first song we're going to talk about is called Over My Head. 
It was a lead single written by Christine McVie, a decision that surprised the band who believed that the song was, quote, the least likely track on Fleetwood Mac to be released as a single. <laughs> and Christine is the lead of a plus on this one. You know, I love Christine's voice. It's just so pure. You know? Yeah. She doesn't get, I mean, don't get me wrong. Stevie Nicks is incredible. But I feel like Christine McVie does not get her flowers. I agree. You know? I agree. Perhaps, uh, I mean, I feel like the, the English appreciate her a little more mm. than maybe the Americans do. But yeah, her voice is very distinctive. Mm-hmm. As you'll see, like, as we listen to some more of these songs, they kind of change who wrote the song and who yeah. performed the song and who's the lead on the song. And each of the tones of their voice bring, like, a different meaning mm-hmm. to the song, too. Yes. So... Yeah, it's really it's really fun to like start to decipher these things. Mm-hmm. So the next song is called Say You Love Me. It's pretty catchy, it's recognizable. Very 70s. So that's Christine. Also, again, uh, written and lead vocals by Christine on that one. So Christine's just knocking it out of the park with the singles already. She's please. She's so talented. She's a wonderful songwriter. Okay, so the next one is the one that we all know. Oh boy, this is Rhiannon. Love this song. Written and lead vocals by Stevie Nicks. So, Nix discovered the Rhiannon character in the early 1970s through a novel called Triad by Mary Bartlett Eater. The novel is about a woman named Branwen who's possessed by another woman named Rhiannon. writing the song, Nix learned that Rhiannon originated from a Welsh goddess and Ooh. the haunting song lyrics applied to the original Welsh Rhiannon also. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting like, you know I feel like Stevie Nicks is very American. She has like a very I don't, like western, and I mean western like California. Like California mm-hmm. like not country and western, but like western yes. sound. And it's very 70s, but it's also like extremely timeless. And Mm -hmm. it just, yeah, it's just so good. Mm -hmm. Love Rhiannon. And the next one off of the Fleetwood Mac album, which actually wasn't a hit until much later. Of course. Written and lead vocals by Stevie Nicks. The only other accompaniment is Lindsay on the guitar. Great song. Nick said that she wrote the song while contemplating going back to school or continuing on professionally with Lindsay. And she wrote the song while visiting Aspen, Colorado, sitting in someone's living room, quote, looking out at the Rocky Mountains, pondering the avalanche of everything that had came crashing down on us. At that moment, my life truly felt like a landslide in many ways. such a it's such a pretty song yeah it's a great song um it actually so it was released in 75 on the album but it actually wasn't released as a single until 1998 when it was part of the 
band's live album, The Dance. Oh, wow. And the live version peaked at number 10 on Billboard's adult contemporary chart that year. So this song came out in 75 and it like didn't really gain popularity until almost two decades later. Wow. And then it's been covered by so many oh my gosh, people yeah. at this point. All right. And you alluded to this earlier, their second album altogether. Oh my gosh. Rumors. It's so good. 1977. So, recorded with the intention of making a pop album, the album's music featured a pop rock and soft rock sound characterized by accented rhythms and electric keyboards. Uh, The members partied, uh, did a lot of cocaine for much of the recording sessions, and its completion was delayed by its mixing process. So, the band was going through a lot of personal turmoil Mm. while recording this album. Um, all of the romantic partnerships in the band separated while continuing to write and record music together. In mid-1975, after six months of nonstop touring, the McVees divorced, ending eight years of marriage. Uh, Lindsay and Stevie were on again, off again. Uh, They fought a lot, and Mick Fleetwood learned that his wife Jenny, the mother of his two children, had had an affair with his best friend and former band guitarist Bob Weston. Oh, no. So press intrusions into the band members' lives led to inaccurate stories. A.K.A. Uh. Rumors. <gasps> so um, Mick Fleetwood noted the, quote, tremendous emotional sacrifices made by everyone to attend studio work. Oh, sure. And the record's working title was actually Yesterday's Gone, but they decided upon Rumors. Uh, John McVie suggested the album title to the band because he felt that the members were writing journals and diaries about each other through music. Um oh, By the way, cocaine played such a major role in the production of Rumors that the band seriously considered thanking their drug dealer in the album credits (laughs) until they learned he'd been murdered by a gang. So if he hadn't been murdered by a gang, it would be like, and many thanks to our drug dealer, Bill. Slippery Pete. Slippery Pete. (laughs) Our drug dealer, Slippery Pete, because without him, we would have never finished Rumors. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, Apparently, in the studio, they had a ritual in which the engineers and band members all started humming a tune. It changed over the years, depending on what era they were in. But, you know, it was basically like the signal for wanting cocaine. So if, like, we were sitting here and then all of a sudden I started, like, humming Camp Town Races, (laughs) you'd be like, that's, here we go. Let me get the bag of bag of we are so Drugs. outside of this <laughs> bag right is that what they call it like a dime bag a dime bag <laughs> oh god <laughs> so out of our depths <laughs> so the front cover of rumors features a stylized shot of mick fleetwood and stevie nicks dressed in her rihanna stage persona mm-hmm. she's very flowy and witchy black lace and everything yep um, and the back of the album has a montage of band portraits. And by the way, once you realize that you see, you're picturing the album, yep. it's Mick Fleetwood. He has yep. his like leg up, like Captain mm-hmm. Morgan style. And then Stevie's kind of like, you know, flailing about on the cover. Uh, once you realize there are balls dangling from Mick's belt, you cannot unsee them. <gasps> so it's like he's standing there. He has his like vest on and then he has his like Captain Morgan leg up. And then you look and there are two balls dangling from chains oh, no. from his belt. Now I got to look it up. So <laughs> Here I go. Yeah. Like once you realize that there, you're like, how did I not see this before? So apparently after one of Fleetwood Mac's <gasps> earliest gigs. <laughs> oh my God. How did I miss that? Right? It's weird. Uh, Mick apparently stole some lavatory chains from a club bathroom and they became his good luck talisman, making oh an appearance God. at nearly every Fleetwood Mac performance. Apparently the original set of chains was lost on the road, but he makes do with a replica. So I, yeah, I had to look up what a lavatory chain was. So if you've ever been to like a toilet in 
in Europe, especially where they have like the cistern mounted on the wall. Oh yeah. And it's like a much longer chain that you have to pull, pull down. Yeah. That's what this is. Oh. So it's not like he like fished it out of the tank or something. It's like an he actual like pull thing. The... He just pulled it off there. So, but yes, he would like run around with those like attached to his belt. And so it has like two big dangling balls on the cover oh of gosh. this Mick. <laughs> How did I miss that? That's such an iconic album cover. You know what? It's yeah. because I was dazzled, dazzled uh, by Stevie. By the sounds. Yes. So of course, Rumors was an instant commercial success selling more than 10 million copies worldwide within just a month of its release in February 1977. Whoa. It reached the top spot in various countries around the world, won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 78. It's often considered their best release and Rumors has frequently been cited as one of the greatest albums of all time, selling over 40 million copies, making it one of the best-selling albums in history. In 2003, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, and in 2018, it was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry, being deemed culturally, historically, or artistically significant by the Library of Congress. Well, of course. Of course. I would expect nothing less. So we're going to cover some of the significant songs and singles from Rumors. And by cover, I mean Julie and I are going to sing them for you right now. Ready? Here we go. This is Go Your Own Way. So good. Written and sung by Lindsey Buckingham. And it became the band's first top 10 hit in the U.S. What is that lyric? You can call it under the loneliness. Ooh, that's that sounds pretty good. You can call it. Hund- I, when I sing along, I just sing, I just um, sing like noises. You can call it another lonely day. You can call it another lonely day. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was written and sung by Lindsay. Um, it was recorded in three separate studios, and the track was developed over a period of four months. Lyrically, Go Your Own Way is a breakup song, mm. specifically directed at his bandmate and former Jeez. lover of eight years, Stevie Nicks. Nicks later explained her feelings about the line because there's a line in there that's, quote, packing up, shacking up is all you want to do. Mm. And she didn't like this. She very much resented him for, quote, telling the world that packing up, shacking up with different men was all I wanted to do. He knew it wasn't true. He was It was just an angry thing he said. And every time those words would come on stage, I wanted to go over and kill him. <laughs> he knew it, so he really pushed my buttons through that. It was like, I'll make you suffer for leaving me, and I did. Man, you know what? Not for nothing, but like the more you learn about Lindsay Buckingham, well, the more yeah, you think well, he's a real asshole. That too. But um, could you imagine your job? Like neither one of us are musically inclined, but say you are working in the library and you are archiving and someone brings in your ex and is like, got to make it work. I think I would lie in the street instead. You guys work together now. Now you guys work together. Now you have to work together every day. No. And then you have to go out and perform archiving <laughs> in front of thousands of people us, but yeah, yeah i know uh-huh. <laughs> this yeah. metaphor is not working actually um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but like you have to take photos with this person yeah you have to spend 24 7 with them when yep. you're on the road absolutely not yep. i would rather lie in the street yep a real a real era of turmoil for yeah the band, shall we say so kind of i don't want to say in response because it's on the same album mm-hmm. but um we get dreams Oh, from yeah, Stevie Nicks. It was the band's only number one single in the U.S. ever. Her. Written and lead vocals by Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. 
think I have a lot to say, but like, you know, I want to let, I want to let her own words come through. tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So she said she wrote it in about 10 minutes and the rest of the group wasn't nuts about it. All mm. they kept from the original was the drum track and the live vocal from Stevie. They later added the guitars and the bass in, in LA. And Nix called the pairing of Go Your Own Way and Dreams, she called them twin songs as mm. they both chronicled the struggle to untangle their toxic romantic relationship from their wildly successful professional one. Sure. Um, so she's saying, quote, Lindsay's saying, go ahead and date other men and go live your crappy life. And I'm singing about the rain washing you clean. We were coming out at it from opposite angles but we were really saying the same exact thing and in late 2020 the song experienced a widespread resurgence in popularity as a result of a viral tiktok video created by a 37 year old nathan apodaca username 420 dogface 208 in which he drinks (laughs) ocean spray crayon raspberry juice from a jug and skateboards down a road while singing this song here's the thing about that tiktok you've seen it of course i have seen it at this point the thing is is that and I think people who've seen it for the, at least a couple of times will agree with me on this. It's not that it's funny. It is funny. It's that it's so chill. Like, yeah. we've all been stuck in our houses for the past year. We haven't had to go anywhere. And this guy, it's like the sun is going down. It's hot. He's on his skateboard. He's drinking a fresh Cran Raspberry Ocean Spray. And he's just and listening just to dreams. Rocking out to some Fleetwood Mac. I was like, man, I want to live this guy's life. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's just so, it's yeah. so um, aspirational. And he's like, from all, from everything that I read about him, like he's like a nice, cool guy. Yeah. That just went viral because of this. He wasn't like an influencer trying to yeah. sell something or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just like a dude just riding a skateboard down the street. I mean, how could it, it's such an organic yeah. moment that you see, like it's clearly not, he's just listening to music and like lip syncing to Stevie Nicks and just like vibing as the kids say, you know, That's what they say? I think so. I don't know. Ooh, I learned a new word. Ooh, tell me, tell me. Chugi. What? Chewy. C H E U G Y. It means like it it's it's like the now equivalent of basic. Oh, like ew, she's so chewy. Like like you're trying like you're trying really hard. Oh, okay, yeah. But like it's not cool anymore. Yes. That's Ooh, okay. some, I mean something is chewy. Wow. You are like on the cutting edge. That is, I this know. is the first That's I'm hearing the, about this. First and only time anybody will say this about me in the podcast, <laughs> by the way. Because <laughs> I'm talking about like my favorite 1977 album, <laughs> Cutting Edge. I mean, I, I waxed poetic about a uh, British man in his 60s. So you're in good company here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. This next song, we all know it. We've all heard it a million times at this point. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Written by Christine McPhee, but sung by Lindsay and Christine. Which was supposed to be the name of that album. Yesterday's um, Gone. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I got to be honest. This is not my favorite. It's not your favorite because it's been played a bajillion exactly, times. Exactly. Um, so the lyrics reflected Christine's feelings after her separation from John after eight years of marriage. And she said, quote, don't stop was just a feeling. It just seemed to be a pleasant revelation that yesterday's gone. Like, oh, very philosophical. Yeah. they, Christine and John, like, from what I can tell, they didn't seem like as combative yeah <laughs> or is like 
angry necessarily yeah, actively as, yeah, yeah as the stevie Lindsay breakup was christine and john were like we had we had some good times yeah and now we're gonna be adult and move forward yes yeah um so the song was the theme music for u.s presidential candidate bill clinton's 1992 presidential yes. campaign and was played mm-hmm. at the 92 democratic national convention during its final night balloon drop additionally the song was played at every conservative conference by david cameron when he was their party leader oh, too right. so it's, it has a very political context for us. Yeah. Yeah. Don't now. stop thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you're right. I won't. Yeah. But anyway, yes, I feel like this one out of all the ones has been like been a little overplayed. A lot, yeah. All right. Next is a little ditty by Christine called You Make Love and Fun. Yes. I do love this one. Written and sung by Christine. It was the album's fourth top 10 hit, peaking at number nine. So uh, the song <laughs> was inspired by an affair Christine had with the band's lighting director, Curry Grant. Oh, my God. <laughs> and to avoid flare-ups, she told her then-husband, John McBee, that the song was about their dog. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst lie I've ever heard. So, yeah, Christine was Christine had an affair with the, oh my the sound guy and a lighting guy and this and that. Um, by the way, after their breakup, apparently John, like he didn't take it, take it lying down necessarily. Oh um, he started hooking up with groupies at the band's house, which oh Mick Fleet, which Mick Fleetwood described as quote a bordello with blacked out rooms, thick shag carpets, deprivation tanks, and a very <gasps> liberal sprinkling of assorted drugs. Oh my god, that sounds like a nightmare. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this is. This is my favorite Fleetwood Mac song off of Rumors. This one is called The Chain. Oh, yeah. This is such a good one. It's the only song from the album with writing credits from all five members. Mm. And The Chain was created from combinations of several previously rejected materials, including solo work by Lindsay, Stevie, and Christine. Wow. Yeah, this song rules. It's like, yeah, driving beat. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like this song really features all the vocalists. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was assembled. The song was assembled, mm. often manually by splicing tapes with a razor blade oh at God. the record plant in Sausalito, California, with engineers Ken Calais and Richard Dashett. The finished song has a basic rock structure with two distinct portions, the main verse and the chorus and the outro, which is oh, like, course, like by yeah, the time yeah. you get to the outro, you're like, fist pumping. Yeah. Oh, man. So on rumors, and I'm not going to play all these, but you also get secondhand news, mm-hmm. never going back again, yep. songbird, I don't want to know, and gold dust woman. Like It's just wall-to-wall hits. So, yes, whenever anybody, you know, as it, as it comes up frequently, sure. whenever anybody asks you what like your top five albums are, mm-hmm. rumors is always in my top five of any album ever. Uh, I mean, I you, love it so you wouldn't much. go wrong with saying that. Love it so much. Mm. All right, their next album, though. 
maybe wasn't as well received, perhaps. You know, 1979, you get Tusk. I don't think I know Tusk. Well, you will. <laughs> so it was considered more experimental than their previous albums, mm-hmm. uh, partly a consequence of Lindsay's sparser songwriting arrangements and the influence of post-punk. So going into Tusk, Buckingham was adamant about creating an album that sounded nothing like rumors. He wanted to follow some new wave artists and punk bands like The Clash and The Talking Heads. Uh, Mick decided early on that Tusk was supposed to be a double album. So after their label turned down Fleetwood's offer of buying a new studio to make the record, the band actually used some of their royalties to construct their own studio, oh, which wow. they called Studio D. So even with the custom studio, Warner Brothers still charged the band for the recording sessions. The production costs are estimated to be over $1 million, oh equivalent God. to about $3.52 million oh in 2019, gosh. making it the most expensive rock album recorded to that date. Uh, so the band transformed Studio D into their own weird, expensive oasis. They ordered fancy lobster dinners. They (laughs) lavishly decorated their vocal booths. Um, Quote, when we were locked up in Studio D for a year with the shrunken heads and lays and Polaroids and velvet pillows and saris and sitars and all kinds of wild and crazy instruments and the tusks on the console like living in an African burial ground, it was heavy, intense heavy, Nick said in her um, liner notes in the reissue. Uh, Christine McVie called the excess quite absurd in a 2015 uncut interview. Quote, the studio contract writer for refreshments was like a telephone directory. She said, <laughs> exotic food delivered to the studio, crates of champagne, and had to be the best with no thought of what it cost. Oh, boy. So the cover of the album is kind of weird. It's a it's like a tan background with a black and white photo of producer Ken Calais' dog along That's with weird. his foot. Um, and... <laughs> During the making of Tusk, Christine started dating Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys, Um, but that didn't go well, and they left on bad terms. So compared to 1977's Rumors, which, as we said before, sold 10 million copies in its first year, Tusk was regarded as a commercial failure by the label, selling only 4 million copies. I mean... And it was a double album, so the price was about $16, which was expensive for the 70s. That's about $56 in today's money. Yeah. And depending on the source, the album's title was likely inspired by the African nature photography of Peter Beard, whose surreal collages adorned the album's inner packaging. And not according to various rumors Uh out there. It was not the nickname of Mick Fleetwood's penis. (gasps) That's the first time hearing this. Well, it's not. It's not the it's name. Not, it's not. It's not. Okay, so <laughs> oh my God. the title track is mm-hmm. called Tusk. It was one of the first songs to be released using a digital mix sound from an original analog source. In addition to normal drums, Fleetwood Mac also experimented with different found sounds on the song. Hmm. Uh, Mick and Lindsay played a spatula on some lamb chops. Uh, okay. Um, and also a Kleenex box on the track. And at the request of Mick, uh, the band teamed up with the University of South... I'll say that part again. The University of Southern California's Trojan Marching Band to play on the single. Oh, okay. And the Trojan Marching Band's contribution set a record for the highest number of musicians performing on a single. Oh, wow. Okay. I can, yeah, I can hear the, um, the horn section. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the marching band had 112 members. <gasps> So, Billboard described Tusk as, quote, an eerie combination of vocals and a heavy percussion track. It's a very, like, nervous, jittery song with a very mysterious title and actually only a handful of lyrics over some other whispered vocals. Yeah. See, you can hear it's, like, very 
It's very different than anything we just heard on Rumors. Sure, it is, but there are still aspects of it that I'm like, oh, that's Fleetwood Mac, of course. Yes. Yeah. And I and after listening to the song probably 17 times in the last two weeks, I love this song. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very, it's a very good like blast in your car. Oh song sure, yeah. You can hear all the instruments happening, mm-hmm. and like it's good. You don't need to know all the words. You can just, yeah, exactly. Like, you can just kind of vibe mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very catchy. But again, if you were used to yeah. the previous like pop rock type stuff, you weren't ready for this experimental no. stuff. Again, when you <laughs> again they played some lamb chops. Yeah, I mean, experimental certainly wasn't the name of the game for them prior to this so now they're being thrown into like a prog rock like african inspired mm-hmm. with also like a marching band and all that stuff i'm sure their fans were like what the hell is yes, this yes exactly so uh then the the other notable song that came off of uh tusk is called sarah mm. written and sung by stevie now it's So in the early 90s, Stevie said the song was partially written about her good friend Sarah, who married her ex and bandmate, um, Mick Fleetwood. Oh, okay. And however, Nix's former boyfriend, Don Henley, claimed that the song was about their unborn child. So in 1979, Nix said, if I ever have a little girl, I will name her Sarah. It's a very special name to me. Oh, that's sad. Um, Her original demo of the song was 16 minutes long. Oh, my God. She got it down to 622 for the album and then 437 for the single. Oh my gosh. So it's another like, yeah, it's it's Rhiannon esque, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more, I would say, uh, poppier than Rhiannon, but yeah, yeah. I could yeah, see another, that. Uh, just a very emotional yes, song from Stevie. Absolutely. But, yeah, so Tusk eh, didn't, didn't, didn't do great. Didn't do as well as its predecessors. Mm. So their next album comes out in 1982 and it's called Mirage. Mm. So the studio mm-hmm. effort soft rock sound stood in stark contrast to its more experimental predecessor. Following a hiatus of over a year after the completion of the worldwide Tusk tour, the band temporarily relocated to Chateau de Aeroville in France to record a new album. And by this time, Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham had each commenced a solo career. Mm-hmm. So the cover of this album is shot very dark. It has Christine, Lindsay, and Stevie on the cover. And there is um, some like very, weird looking hand holding that kind of when you look at it kind of looks like that optical illusion of like the face of the old lady like oh right like yeah the old yeah you're the young lady yeah so if you look at like the the positioning of the hands on the cover interesting it's weird so oh um, yeah i don't know if i was able to find out what why the the song why the album's title is mirage but um some people you know think that might be because of that like yeah the weird the weird optical illusion yeah. on the cover yeah, that is strange, huh? What a thing. It is weird. So the first song that came off of this album is called Hold Me. Oh, yeah, of course. So it was written by Christine Mickey and Robbie Patton. Uh, the song became one of Fleetwood Mac's biggest hits in the U.S., being at number four for a then-record seven the music video is very strange. Um, it features the band in a surreal scenario set in a desert. Um, it's based on several Rene Magritte paintings. And oh. in the video, Christina is a 
Christine is in a room. She's surrounded by paintings. Um, she uses a telescope to search for Lindsay Buckingham in the desert. And Buckingham discovers Stevie Nicks lying on a chaise long and paints a portrait of her. In other scenes, uh, John McBee and McFleetwood are archaeologists dressed in khaki shorts with pith helmets. They find the desert littered with broken mirrors, serving as a motif in the video, along with partially burned pianos, electric guitars, <laughs> bass guitars, and other instruments. Um, it was so hot, and we weren't getting along, recalls Stevie. Uh, Lindsay was still not over their breakup six years earlier, uh, nor her subsequent affair with Mick Fleetwood. <gasps> and so the rest of the band was angry with Fleetwood because he had then begun an affair with Nick's best friend, Sarah, who oh, left her no. husband as a result, causing serious issues for Nick's. So. Well... Just fireworks, fireworks everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really, it's a very strange video, but it's a fun song. All right, and this song, um, I'll point out now that we we don't necessarily use this word anymore, but this was what the title of the song was okay. when it came out in 1982, so that's what we refer to as. This is Stevie Nicks' Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's um, written and sung by Stevie, and according to her, there are two points of inspiration behind Gypsy. The first of which is a point of nostalgia for her. Her life before Fleetwood Mac when she worked as a waitress and a cleaning lady and she couldn't afford a bed frame. So she and Lindsay slept on a single mattress directly on the floor. She said it was decorated with lace with a vase of flower by its side. And whenever she feels her famous life getting to her, she goes back to her roots and takes her mattress off the frame and puts it back on the floor and decorates it with some lace and paper flowers. This is such a beautiful song. I, I love this song. And... Um, the second subject of the song is actually the message as a tribute to the passing of her friend Robert Snyder Anderson from leukemia in 1982. Oh. And we'll talk a little bit more about her in a little bit. All right. This one this one feels super cheesy. It's called Love in Store. Okay. It feels a little like Eurovision. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's very early 80s. Yeah. So it was written by Christine and Jim Record, who was the ex-husband of Stevie's former best friend, Sarah Record, who married Vic Fleetwood after having an affair with him while dating Stevie. Got that? I think so. This is the album's opening track and the third single in the U.S. Like, it's a little, like, it's a little more like ABBA to me than, like, our previous. It's kind of like simple, straightforward pop Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. from 82. Yeah. And then the last one I wanted to do from this album is called Can't Go Back. And I love this one too. I don't think I know this one. It was written and sung by Lindsay. Um, Stevie's not on this song, but you know what is? Castanets and sleigh bells. <laughs> At what, what could replace her but castanets and sleigh bells, honestly? It's like it's a good like upbeat like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really love that one. And then and the next album is Tango in the Night from 1987. And I also love this album. So it was the fifth and to date the last studio album from the band's most successful mm. lineup. So after the completion of the Mirage Tour in 82, four of the members of Fleetwood Mac released five solo albums with varying degrees of success. So Mick Fleetwood, Christine, uh, Lindsey Buckingham each released one while Stevie Nicks released two. 
John McPhee decided to go sailing instead. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. Um, so although Tango in the Night took almost 18 months to complete, um, Stevie Nicks spent only a total of two weeks in the studio with the band. Wow. She spent 30 days in the Betty Ford Center in October 1986 oh. to help overcome her cocaine addiction after being told by a doctor that her nose was going to fall off <gasps> due to the dime-sized hole in her septum. Oh, my God. She said that she spent more than $1 million on cocaine. That's so much money. I mean, how much is cocaine? You know, well, $10, Michael. What can it be? <laughs> yeah, a bag of drugs. Yeah. Uh, Mick, who was the other big cocaine user, did some complicated math one day, and he figured out how much cocaine he had snorted over his career. Oh, no. And estimated seven miles no. of cocaine. Oh, Line, my God. Seven miles of lines of cocaine. That's your whole... Your They're whole, lucky to be alive. Oh my gosh. Your sinus, all your sinuses have got to be just like Swiss cheese after that. Oh my God. They made it this far. They're all still alive. They're all still alive. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They okay. are still alive. So Tango of the Night was mainly recorded at Lindsay's home. The cover art for this album is a painting by the Australian artist Brett Livingston Strong that was hanging in Buckingham's home. Mm. The painting is an homage to the 19th century French painter Henri Rousseau, emulating his colorful jungle theme works. And it should be noted that Buckingham left the band later that year. Oh, okay. So the first song off this album is called Big Love, which is a very disco track to me. Oh, yeah. Written and sung by Lindsay for a solo album that he began in 85, which instead became Tango in the Night. Oh, okay. So this single was a hit on the American dance charts. Um, so you he- you'll hear some like, oh, ass in the song, <laughs> which sound like a man and a woman, but they're actually both performed by Lindsay. He sampled and altered his voice to mimic that of a woman. So when you hear it, and you hear like the, oh, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just both him. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at you. Yeah, this. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) I hate this. Oh, I hate it. It's in my ears. (laughs) They loved it on the dance track. Oh, I'm sure they they loved it. Yeah, this was the last days of disco here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, The next one is called Seven Wonders, which is a terrific song. Written by Sandy Stewart with some lyrics by Stevie and sung by Stevie. And in the song, Nix remembers a love affair from her past. She sounds great on this track. Like her lyrics are always like very like I don't want, I, you know uh, emotional. Yes. Sometimes they're inspiring. Sometimes they're like um, uh, what's the word for your think? Yes, contemplative. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of you know maybe Lindsay's songs are a little more like brash and straightforward. Yeah, mm-hmm. he makes some weird noises in them and choices and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this song, like Stevie's singing that like even if she should live to see the seven wonders of the world, doing so wouldn't compare to the beauty of that romance. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, isn't it? She's very good. Okay, sorry. This is my other favorite Fleetwood Mac song. It's called Little Lies. But I could. 
This is Christine. It was written by Christine and her then husband Eddie Quintella. Wait a second. Vocals are by Christine. I didn't know this was a Fleetwood Mac song. Right? It doesn't. You don't think it's a Fleetwood Mac song? You think this is just like a late '80s, like yeah, just a jam? Oh, of course. You can hear Stevie right there. Yeah, Stevie. I love this song. I've, I've played this one probably the second most on repeat after Tusk in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and to date, Little Lies is their most recent top 10 hit in the US. Oh, okay. So like sometimes, like like I mentioned before, like Landside like came back to the charts like yeah, 20 exactly. years later, like Dreams shot back to the oh, charts yeah, of course. last year after the TikTok thing. But Little Lies is their like most, most recent. recent like new song. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And then the last song off of Tango in the Night is Everywhere. This is my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. This is? Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad I played it then. I want to be with you everywhere. Oh, Written and sung by Christine, of course. I want to be with you everywhere. You know what? I'm going to say this right now, and this is not because I have a whole glass of wine in me. What? This is my karaoke song. <gasps> Everywhere is my karaoke song. That's terrific. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hold you to that. Okay, great. Um, Christine sounds wonderful on this Ethereal track. Ethereal in that track. Ethereal. Thank you. Ethereal. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a good bop. It's just a nice little love song. Yes. I also have like, on my Spotify like liked songs mm-hmm. playlist, I have at least three covers of the song, including the original of like <laughs> various bands doing covers of uh, everywhere. Seconded only by um, running up that hill. Okay. I see. I have a lot of covers of running up that hill. So everywhere was the first CD single released by the band oh. in most territories. The accompanying music video for Everywhere is a visual depiction of the poem The Highwayman by Alfred Noyes. And there are two versions of the video, one featuring the story with members of the band appearing throughout and the other not featuring the band at all. <gasps> Ooh. All right. So just, you know, some more info on mm-hmm. the band. Please. After Lindsay left the band in 1987, Fleetwood Mac added two new guitarists to the band, Billy Burnett and Rick Vito. Mm. The band's next album, 1990's Behind the Mask, only yielded one top 10 hit called Save Me. And in 1991, both Stevie Nicks and guitarist Rick Vito left the band. In 1993, for President Bill Clinton's first inaugural ball, the Buckingham, Knicks, McVie, McVie, Fleetwood lineup reunited. Wow. They reunited again for 1997's live album, The Dance. It was predominantly a live greatest hits package recorded for Fleetwood Mac's MTV The Dance special at Warner Brothers Studios in Burbank. Mm. Um, It was in like May 1997. So the album cover, which was a photo taken by Dave LaChapelle, has Mick Fleetwood recreating his pose from the cover of Rumors and Lindsey Buckingham holding the cane used on the cover of the eponymous Fleetwood Mac album. The dance spawned three singles in the U.S., Landslide, The Chain, and Silver Springs, and earned the band three Grammy nominations in 1998. In 2018, the band fired Lindsey Buckingham and replaced him (laughs) with Mike Campbell, formerly of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and Neil Finn of Crowded House. Mm. All right, so the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Inevitably comes up whenever we talk about a musician episode, right? Absolutely. So Fleetwood Mac was inducted in 1998 by Sheryl Crow. 
Um, and the lineup inducted included the original, many of the original members. Oh, so sure. Peter Green, Jeremy Spencer, and Danny Kerwin from the original lineup. Um, so Jim Farber wrote, quote, the troupe created a distinctive California sound that endures today as a sonic touchstone for countless bands. The two members to survive it all rarely write tunes and never front the recordings. They're the beat keepers, drummer Mick Fleetwood and bassist John McVie. The fact that a rhythm section could sustain a band through 30 years seems mm. all the more amazing considering the traumatic histories of the band's shifting array of stage front stars. Yeah. That's true. You know what? It's normally not like the drummer and the bass player who like keeps a band together. Like it's usually like the lead singer, or like right. the lead guitarist or whatever, like the more like superstars, right. like the ones you hear it's all the time. It's yeah. interesting. And then 2019, Stevie Nicks is inducted yes. by Harry Styles, who said, quote, she is the magical gypsy godmother who occupies the in-between. Uh, so again, Stevie's known for unmistakable vocal timbre. Uh, Stevie donated a pink beaded shawl to the museum. And Stevie Nicks is the first woman to be twice inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's the... She's the only woman to be twice inducted? Yes, with the band and as her solo career. Okay, so, great, that's wonderful, but also, what the hell? What? Agreed. What? Agreed. I'm but good saying. for her. Yeah, and no. she's very good friends with Harry Styles. Like, I've I read a couple, it. so, you know, I didn't want to focus too much on her solo career. Yeah. Um, but she released, like, a, a concert, like, 24K mm -hmm. Gold Magic or something last year. And so she did some press for that and, like, just talks about, like, she's very candid about her life and, like, mm -hmm. some of her past experiences and, like, who she likes to hang out with and whatever. She and Harry Styles are, like, besties. Well, Harry Styles, can I tell you, I did not get the whole Harry Styles thing because, you know, One Direction, we were too old for boy yes. bands by the time One Direction mm -hmm. came out. And so One Direction, I was like, yeah, 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 another boy band, they're British, they're cute, whatever. And then everyone was like, Harry, Harry, oh my God. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, he looks like a little boy. And then he guest starred in SNL and was also the, <laughs> mus like the music yeah. performer. And one, he was hysterical. Two, he performed Watermelon Sugar. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> Oh, oh, I get okay. it. Oh, oh, I get it now. <gasps> uh oh. <laughs> but yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. It's great. And so it's talented. Great. It's so it's so fun when you hear about like <laughs> unconventional friendships. Oh uh, yeah, that's the best. All right, where are they all now? Yeah, I all mean right. they're all still alive. They're right? all still, still alive as of this podcast. As of as of, as May of this 1st. recording. <laughs> Mick Fleetwood. All right, so Mick Fleetwood, oh boy. he co-hosted the 1989 Brit Awards, which contained numerous gaffes and flubbed lines. And because of this, the Brit Awards were pre-recorded for the next 18 years until 2007. <laughs> 18 years? That's like, that's like if Billy Crystal hosted the Oscars and effed up so much that they were like, we can't do this we live anymore. This again. Never again. Wow, that was so it's bad. It's never going to be live ever again. Uh, so Mick co-authored a memoir titled Fleetwood, My Life and Experiences with Fleetwood Mac with writer Stephen Davis in 1990. Mm. In the book, he discussed his experiences with other musicians, including Eric Clapton, members of the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, as well as his affair with Stevie Nicks and his addiction to cocaine and his personal bankruptcy. I'm sure it was juicy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he owns a restaurant slash performance space in Maui called Fleetwood's on Front Street, and the logo is him off the rumors album balls included <laughs> i mean must be nice you know yes she so lives in hawaii i mean living living the life living the best sailing life. everything all right john mcvee mm -hmm. 
An alcohol-induced seizure in 1987 finally prompted McVie to stop drinking altogether, and he has been sober ever since. Oh, good for him. Yes. In 1989, McVie's wife, Julie Ann, gave birth to their first child, a daughter, Molly Elizabeth. And in his spare time, McVie is a sailing enthusiast. Um, Mm -hmm. Apparently, according to Mick's aforementioned autobiography, uh, John McVie nearly got lost at sea at least once on a Pacific voyage. (laughs) But... Was recovered. They found him. Yeah. Um, And in October 2013, McVie was diagnosed with colon cancer and began treatment. His condition improved. And in 2017, it was reported that his cancer was completely cleared. So good. Good for John. Good for him. All the good thoughts to him. Uh, Christine McVie left the band in 1998 after almost 30 years. She divorced husband Eddie Cantella in 2003. She released a solo album in 2004. She rejoined Fleetwood Mac in 2014. She released an album with Lindsay Buckingham in 2017 called Lindsay Buckingham, Christine McVie, which was supposed to be a Fleetwood Mac album, but they made it a new project after multiple delays due to Stevie Nicks' commitment to her solo career. Oh, sure. So Christine is just like, she's just 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 doing her thing. Playing music. Good for her. Having, Having a good time. Lindsay... Buckingham has a son and two daughters with wife Kristen Messner, who he married in 2000. He was kicked out of Fleetwood Mac in 2018. Mm. Um, there's no official story for why. Hmm. Apparently. Maybe because he's an asshole? Something Is that why? to do with some gestures or some motions that he made while he was on stage and Stevie was saying or performing something. And then she said, I can't perform with him anymore. It's either him or me, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to choose rumors. Stevie. It's yeah. just rumors. Okay, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, so he's not a member of the band anymore. Um, he underwent emergency open heart surgery in February 2019, which caused damage to his vocal cords, the permanency of which is unclear. Uh-oh. So uh, TBD if Lindsay Buckingham will continue to have a musical career. Oh but my gosh, that's awful. Again, wishing everybody the best yeah. here. And then finally, Stevie Nicks. Um, she's released eight solo albums and reached multi-platinum status. Um, she has said that the love of her life was actually Eagles guitarist Joe Walsh. They broke up wow. because they were both serious drug addicts then. Joe Walsh? Mm-hmm. Of all the guys that she has been, she was like, yes, Joe Walsh. Love, that guy. Love the Eagles. Okay. Um, so Stevie's only marriage was to Kim Anderson, the widower of her friend Robin Anderson. They married in 1983, soon after Robin died of leukemia. Oh. And she said later that they didn't marry for love. They married because they were grieving, yeah. and she was determined to help take care of Robin's son, like oh. newborn son, like baby. Oh, no. Like she had the baby, and then like two days later died of leukemia. Oh, it was God. awful. It was awful. So, um, so uh, Stevie and Kim divorced three months later, but she consciously chose not to have children of her own due her due to her demanding career and desire to follow her art wherever it should take her. Mm. But she always stayed, you know, as yeah. part of um, of Kim's son's life. And, you know, she's a godmother to, you know, his children. And they call him grand. They call her grandma. And, oh, you know, okay. So she so has an established relationship. Yeah, so with she's them. a good, a very good relationship with that family. Um, so <laughs> uh, Stevie says that her only regret is eight years of addiction to clonopin, which she was Whoa. prescribed to help her sleep after coming out of rehab for cocaine addiction in 1986. Damn. So out of the frying pan into the fire, Stevie. Right. Yeah, well, the but this was the doctor's prescribing. Well, yeah, exactly. They, like, she didn't know. Yeah. So. Oh my god! Her acting debut was on two episodes of American Horror Story: Coven in 2014, when oh, she played sense. herself. Uh, she is an ordained minister with the Universal Life Church. 
She has journaled daily since her tenure began in Fleetwood Mac, and she has said, quote, I like to tell all my fairy goddaughters and my niece that when I'm gone, they can sit on the floor and go through all these journals, and they can walk through my life, and they can smell the gardenia perfume on the pages. They can have it in their hands, who I was. Oh, my God. That's so beautiful. Could you imagine reading Stevie Nicks' diary? So I would juicy. give my left arm to read those. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yep. So that's the story Julia. of Fleetwood Mac. Round and I hope that I gave you some some tunes to add to your uh, Absolutely. to your playlist and I'm stuff. I'm definitely adding Little Lies. I couldn't I can't believe that was a Fleetwood Mac yeah. song. Yeah. Oh, it's terrific. I'm going to listen to Everywhere on My Way Home Tonight tonight. Excellent. You I should. love that song. So kind of, uh, kind of related. Uh, the quiz is called The Chain. Okay. So this is a quiz of lists. I'll name for you the first several words of a specific list, and you'll tell me what comes next. Okay. All right. All right. I can do that. All right. Question one. This one will make you want to shout. New York. Miami, New England, blank. What completes this list? Question two. You may manipulate some boundaries by filling in the empty space. Adams, Jefferson, Burr, Clinton, blank. What comes next? Question three. Steve Polly will have very strong opinions about this question. Oh, no. Lime, not green apple. Lemon, orange, Strawberry, blank. What completes this list? Question four. I can't believe they still haven't found what they were looking for. Paul Hewson, David Evans, Adam Clayton, blank. What name completes this list? Question five. Ready to roll? Montgomery, Juno, Phoenix, blank. What comes next? Question six. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Bebe Zahara Benet, Tyra Sanchez, Raja, Sharon Needles, blank. What comes next? Question seven. Do you believe in miracles? Nine cities, then Grenoble, France, Sapporo, Japan, Innsbruck, Australia, blank. What comes next in this list? Question eight. It's close to midnight. Or at least it might be when you fill in the next blank. Got to be there. Three other titles. Then off the wall. Blank. What comes next? Question nine. Who wants to be a billionaire? Kevin Kwan sure does. Crazy rich Asians. China rich girlfriend. Blank. What completes this list? Question 10. Space. It's vast and cold and dark, but it'll help you with this last question. The Motion Picture, The Wrath of Khan, The Search for Spock, The Voyage Home, blank. What is next in this list? I will give you about a minute to think about it and then be back with your answers. Oh, no. Where I've been 
All right. As I was reading these, Lauren was just going, okay, 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 okay. So I'm not sure if she's psyching herself up. I'm psyching myself up for failure. That's what's happening. Okay. No. All right. Quiz a list. I'll name you several words of a specific list and you tell me what comes next. All right. Question one. This one will make you want to shout. New York, Miami, New England, blank. Okay. So this is... What completes this list? This is football. Uh Uh-huh. This is... So you got, you know, the New York Giants. Okay. I don't know. You got the New York Islanders. Nope, that's f- hockey. Oh, New God. York, this is so bad. Miami, Miami, New England, New England, blank. This one will make you want to shout. Is it Buffalo? Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> what? It's the what? teams in the AFC East. Oh, the New okay. York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, Jets, the New England Jets. Patriots, and of course the Buffalo Jets, Bills. Jets. Jets. Okay. Oh, good. All right. Check mark for that. <laughs> <laughs> Her, the look on her face was just like, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I, I should say uh, at the top, I'm very bad at these. Oh. These like puzzle, like, like, you know, complete the list things. Okay. I am brainless when it comes to it. It's, I don't know what it is. You like, already I'm, got one right. Sure. But that was like, I feel like it was a best guess. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> like, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Number two. You may manipulate some boundaries by filling in the empty space. Adams, Jefferson, Burr, Clinton, blank. What comes next? So uh, some of these are presidents. One of them shot the president. Is it Hamilton? It's not Hamilton. It's not Hamilton. Well, I don't know. Is it? Does it have anything to do with the musical? Because I don't know no, anything about musical. No, okay. no, no, no. So you got Adams. You got Jefferson. You got Burr. You got Clinton. I dated a guy named Kevin Burr. Does that help at all? Um, no, <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't listen to this. That podcast. doesn't line up. <laughs> that doesn't line up here. No, it doesn't. Okay. No. Um. What is it? What? A, I don't understand what it is though. Okay. That's the thing. I don't understand the list. All right. So the next one is. Uh, is Gary for Elbridge Gary, who is the second vice president under James Madison. This is a list of vice presidents in order, starting with the first one. So Adams was Washington's vice president. Jefferson was Adams' vice president. Burr was Jefferson's first vice president. Sure. George Clinton was the next one. Funkadelic. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And then Elbridge Gary, or some okay. people say Jerry, for gerrymandering. That's where that term oh, comes right, from. Right, right, Okay. It's from Elbridge Gary. I was defo not going to get that one. It's okay. God. It's okay. Okay. I might get this one, though. This one, though. Number three. Steve Polly will have strong opinions about this question. Yeah. Lime, not green apple. <laughs> Lemon, orange, strawberry, blank. What completes this list? Is it grape? Yes. Yes. And you know they are? They are um, uh, Lifesavers flavors, the original Lifesavers Ooh, flavors. The original Skittles flavors. Oh, original Skittles flavors. I'm sorry. May, yes. I may, you know, maybe they are also, mm, I feel like pineapples in the original Lifesavers flavors. No, I think you But right. I'm looking yeah. at, I'm, I'm focusing here on the original Skittles okay. flavors. Mm-hmm. Yes. They changed the green from lime to green apple in 2013. Yeah, and Steve was very mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. He's anyway. furious, actually. Anyway. <laughs> He's the maddest I've ever seen him. All right, uh, question four. I can't believe they still haven't found what they were looking for. 
Paul Hewson, David Evans, Adam Clayton, blank. What name completes this list? I can't remember this. So this is members of U2. Mm-hmm. Um, and Victoria will be disappointed in me. Um, I know it's Larry. Yeah. But I don't know his last name. I don't remember his last name, I should say. It's All right. Larry, you get a half point there. Larry Peters. Same as Larry. Larry Mullen Jr. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So they are, of course, the band U2. Bono is his real name is Paul Hewson. Mm-hmm. Lead vocals and rhythm guitar. Um, David Evans, The Edge, or as some may call him, Fedge. Uh, <laughs> lead guitar, <laughs> keyboards and backing vocals. Um, Adam Clayton is the bass guitar. And Larry Mullen Sr.'s son, uh, Larry Mullen Jr., <laughs> is drums and percussion. <laughs> and some of those nicknames are courtesy of uh, you You're talking, talking U2, U2 to me. To me. Yeah. Yeah, and our engineer is really enjoying it. Yeah, Larry <laughs> Mullen, senior son. I will never, I will never forget it. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't come up with like a better nickname for Adam Clayton, so they call him Adam Clay, two thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, question five: Ready to roll? Montgomery, Juno, Phoenix, blank. What comes next? So I'm assuming these are state capitals. They are state capitals. Um, what would I, be next? I don't understand. So Montgomery is Montgomery, Juno, Phoenix. Is it Orlando? What states are they the capitals of? So you got oh god. So you got Vermont? <laughs> no, that's Montpelier. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no. It's been a while oh since God, we've been to Montgomery, pub Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got Montgomery, Alabama. You got Juneau, Alaska. Wait, where am I looking? And Phoenix, Arizona. Boop, boop, boop. I don't know what I don't know what it means. Am I supposed to like triangulate something? No. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. See, and you know what? So many people ask me. They say, Lauren, why? Julia was on. Julia and Josh were on Jeopardy. Why didn't you get on Jeopardy? And I say, no. I say to them, no. You don't understand how stupid I am. You don't. (laughs) I haven't gotten more than six hours of sleep in 14 months. (laughs) I am lucky I know where to put the milk in the morning. You have a good excuse. I sleep soundly every night, and I still am this dumb. (laughs) No, it's because, you know, you play against yourself in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah. You play against other people in Jeopardy. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what this is. What <laughs> is it? <laughs> All right. Uh, what if I told you that these are capital cities of states that start with the letter A, the capital oh, right. cities of states in alphabetical order, the next oh, state that begins good. with so the letter A. Arkansas, Little Rock? Yes, yeah. Little Rock. Yeah. Okay, I definitely... See, I said ready to roll. Oh, right. Uh-huh, see? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, I didn't know. You'll be fine with number six. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Oh, boy. Bebe Zahara Benet, Tyra Sanchez, Raja, Sharon Needles, blank. Who comes next? Is it Bianca Del Rio? Nope. Ah, uh, balls. <sighs> I thought you were making like a Hurricane Bianca reference, and that's why. No, I'm taking a literal term from their name. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. I'm hearing it. It's traditionally a seasonal reversing wind accompanied by corresponding changes in precipitation. It's part of their name. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
suffer. <laughs> I've had one glass of wine. It's so been a long year. Date. Just tell me who it is. Jinx Monsoon. Oh, Jinx Monsoon. You know why I've forgotten? Because Jinx Everybody sucks. hates. Yeah, sorry. <sighs> They're the winners from seasons one through five of RuPaul's Drag Race. I forgot about that. She used to say, water off a duck's back. She would like repeat it to herself because all the other queens would rightfully like mm. be nasty to her because she was dumb. How'd she win then? I don't know, because she was like the weirdo of the season. Oh, she was okay. like from Seattle. You know, the rest of them were like... <laughs> From New York City. Yeah, everyone was from like New York City or Chicago or, you know, like, and then she was the the weirdo queen who sang Broadway musical songs. I mean, she's doing fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever. (laughs) Jinx Monsoon. No wonder I forgot about that. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Question seven. Do you believe in miracles? Nine cities, then Grenoble, France, Sapporo, Japan, Innsbruck, Austria, blank. What comes next in this list? So these are Winter Olympic cities. Uh Uh-huh. Do you believe in miracles? Oh, God. Is this Lake Placid? Yes. Yes. (laughs) That was the host of the 1980 Winter Olympics. Grenoble was 68. Sapporo was 72. Innsbruck was 76. Mm -hmm. There you go. Nice job. Nice job. Question eight. It's close to midnight, or at least it might be when you fill in the next blank. Got to be there. Three other titles. Then off the wall. Blank. Is this Michael Jackson albums? Uh huh. No. And this is the one with all the hits, uh-huh. with like all this, and I can't remember them. There's like it's close Billy to Jean. midnight. Yeah. Oh, Thriller. Of course, it's yes. Thriller. Thank you. It's Thriller. These are Michael Jackson albums. After 1982's Thriller, which was number one everywhere in the world, he gave us 1987's Bad, 1991's Dangerous, 1995's history past present and future comma book one and then in 2001 invincible but i feel like everybody really really reminisces about the the thriller bad Mm -hmm. era yeah that was definitely like the two and off the wall i think off the wall was was good it had like a disco sound to it Yeah. yeah all right question nine who wants to be a billionaire kevin kwan sure does Crazy Rich Asians, China Rich Girlfriend, blank. What completes this list? I I knew it at one point uh-huh. when we went and saw Crazy Rich Asians, and I was like entranced by the world that Kevin Kwan had built. I can't wait. They're making it. They're making the next. I the think next so. Movie, right? I think so. They've but got to. It's taking forever, and I'm like, give me some more of Crazy Rich Asians. And I remember being like, oh, I should read the books, and then I never did. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember looking at them maybe once. Mm-hmm. It's like something rich wife because he eventually like marries her right it's part of the trilogy it is part of the crazy rich asian trilogy the title is rich people problems oh i wasn't gonna get that yeah okay and finally question 10 space it's vast and dark and cold but it will help you with this last question the motion picture the wrath of khan the search for spock the voyage home blank what okay. is next in this? So this list? is Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. and okay. So the last, the fourth one you said was Voyage Home, correct? Yes. Steve is going to be so mad at me. Your clue was space. <laughs> it's vast and cold and dark, it's but it'll help you with this it's last question. Set in space, Julia. They're all I, set no, in space. it's a phrase, guys. It's a phrase. I didn't make this up. I mean, I did. I made it. Oh, this the, final it the final frontier. It is the final frontier. frontier. 
Thank you. Thank Good you. job. These are subtitles of the original Star Trek movies, which began in 1979. You know, we started watching them, and it's there's like a trope where like it's like the odd numbers or the even mm-hmm. numbers are the good ones, and the like. The, yeah, 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 right? and then the other ones suck. I think it's even as good and odd as bad. Mm. I think that's the way it goes. Um, but we started. Are they watchable? They're. I mean, the the early ones are like it's just a lot of. Um, what's his name? William Shatner, like okay. being William Shatner. Yeah. They're fine. You know, they're like nostalgic. But once you get into like the Sir Patrick Stewart era. He's your he's your favorite Star he's, Trek. He's probably one of my favorite captains. Yeah, he's my favorite captain. He's I would your captain say. now. Yeah, yeah. I just you know so bald. <laughs> anyway, that's my line. Oh well, so great bald. job, Lauren. That was the chain. No, don't say that. To that me. was Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> you did a great job, though. I'm really reminiscing a lot about all these um, these Fleetwood Mac songs, and I just yeah. love them. And just. Just like the, ju- uh, just like such juicy turmoil going oh, on yeah. in their, that's in their band's bands. career, mm. and like, turns out it's a real small world, you know? <laughs> yeah, they all like were dating and marrying each other, each and other, and then like affairs. other famous people, and then like yeah. having affairs with the same people that the other people just, yeah, wild, yeah, it's amazing, yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um. So, uh, thanks everybody. I don't think we have anything. We have no, we have no, no upcoming life. events on the calendar, which, yeah, you know, is okay for us. Thank you so much for your patience with us. Thank you for attending all of our yes. um, trivia it's so, nights. It's so fun when I like generate the list for off of our answer sheet, like for the various marketing teams at various course, museums yes. too, so that they can send prizes to the winners and it's names that I recognize. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to see. It's always nice to see lister- listeners on the list. Um, so thank you everybody for continuing to participate in our uh, institutions like allowing <laughs> us to get online and, and like just say whatever comes into our brains, <laughs> uh, including that. if it's the answer to the question. <laughs> it did. So if you weren't listening, <laughs> so if you didn't come to the event, Julia wrote a wonderful question about the, and the, about the answer was blizzard. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the clues for the non like video game people mm-hmm. was this weather event happened in 1977 in Buffalo. And, you know, so we both read the question and then, you know, we wait a few beats to allow people to kind of absorb the information and like an idiot to create some like color. I turned to Julia and I was like, my dad was in the blizzard. And then I, and then she looked at me like, Oh my fucking God. (laughs) And then my body launched me out of my chair and I ran a lap around the gallery. Around the second floor gallery. I just ran around. I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this by myself now. (laughs) The first question I gave away the answer. (laughs) Like an idiot. But you know what? Two people still got it wrong. (laughs) So either they didn't hear you or uh, or they they refuse to believe they that refuse to believe you would that what give I did. away the answer <laughs> to the <laughs> first question of the trivia night. Who would be so stupid <laughs> to give away the first answer? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I ran and I and you know what? As I was running, I realized the the gallery was much bigger than I was re- remembering, and I was like, uh oh, what if I can't find my way back? <laughs> So hopefully that doesn't happen again. We're going to take a little <laughs> break of that and then maybe we'll be coming back with more in the summer. But 
Again, thank you everybody for <laughs> putting up with us, participating, um, paying your $10 to our re- respective yes. institutions and, uh, yeah, just being wonderful listeners and supporters of our holsties. Yes. So. Thank you again so much for all your lovely emails and messages oh, yeah. and Facebook posts and tweets whenever something reminds you of us. Yes. And all the good information that's out there and they're like, oh my gosh, I learned about this misinformation. It's like, oh, that's yeah. so nice. Thanks. So um, thank you guys. And thank you for listening to this episode. This is a very good episode from Julia. And uh, we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye.